back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I watched Season 1, Episode 8, Desperate Souls. As always, we'll start off with a little synopsis of the episode. In the Enchanted Forest, we meet a very human-looking Rumpelstiltskin and his son, Balefire. Balefire will be taken off to fight in the Ogre Wars on his 14th birthday, which is in a few days' time, by Duke Hordor and the powerful Dark One who is under the Duke's control. When trying to flee, Rumpel and Bay meet an old man who tells them the secrets of the Dark One Dagger. Rumpel takes the Dark One Dagger, kills the Dark One, who turns out to be the old man trying to shed his burden, and Rumpel becomes the Dark One himself. In Storybrooke, two weeks have passed after Graham's death. Regina tries to appoint Sidney Glass as sheriff, firing Emma, only to be foiled by Mr. Gold's close reading of the town charter. Emma and Sydney will run for election for the sheriff. Mr. Gold engineers Emma saving Regina from a fire to make her look like a hero, but Emma wants to show Henry that good can win and exposes Mr. Gold, playing right into his plan and winning the election. Roger, what did you think of this episode? Well, it's a Rumpel-centric episode, so top five episode. It's fantastic. I like that for the first time we learn about Rumpel's backstory. This dives into who he is, and it doesn't it doesn't show you everything, but it shows you enough to understand why he captures the dagger. You see, uh, actually, his conversation with Emma about he's clearly lost a child at some point, just the way that he talks about they grow up so fast and how time you cherish with it. So you really appreciate the fact that like he clearly loves his son and he's lost him at some point. The other thing that's interesting is this is the first time we see Henry kind of broken. Like he doesn't. He seems like he wants to give up. He's seen Graham die. He believes it's because of his mother and the curse. And he, the heart of the truest believer, does not believe right now that we should do this. So that is a very interesting kind of like side point. Is like it seems like Emma's faith may be increasing and Henry's is failing. And Rumple and Gold are in the background doing their thing. What do you think of the episode? Yeah, I like this episode too. I don't know that I would say top five, but a big fan of a Rumple episode. Especially loved getting to see Rumple as a human being. And a very different human being than we're used to seeing. A coward at that. Uh, And that theme will come up a lot in this show. But this is kind of the first time that we like really see it at play. We've only seen Rumpelstiltskin in the past as the Dark One. I know we've used the phrase the Dark One a couple times. But we get to see more about what that actually means. and, And what that is. And how he came to look like a scaly lizard man. I feel like that's not clearly explained though. It's not, but we learn a little bit about like the dagger and how you have the the dark one has some some serious powers. This like very thuggish duke seems very scared of the dark one. Um, so we we do learn that about about that situation. Speaking of that, they're fighting an ogre war, a war that is just obliterating the population. You have control of the dark one. Couldn't you just use the dark one to kill the ogres? That, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, don't don't know why they didn't think of that. Clearly they hadn't decided how powerful the Dark One was just yet. Okay, fair enough. It, it's, it's obviously better to bring children to fight a war. <laughs> okay, maybe the Dark One isn't powerful enough to kill all the ogres. Couldn't he give you enchanted weapons? Couldn't he give you a tactical advantage and teleport you behind the ogres? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of ways you could use the Dark One's power to win this war that doesn't involve you taking 14-year-old girls. <laughs> yep. 14-year-old girls and boys that and boys. are clearly not at all skilled at fighting. They know nothing about it. Um, and it's, from what it sounds like, they just die immediately. Like, they go out to fight the ogres and die immediately. So that brings up my other point. When 
the ruthless knight is talking to Rumple and his son in the force, and they catch them fleeing. He he's a duke. Roger. He's a duke. Yeah, well, he's duke corridor. Well, he's dead at the end of this, so I don't think title matters all that much. <laughs> but you're right; he is a duke, or was a duke. He talks about how Rumple fled, and then seems to imply that because of Rumple fleeing, they lost the war. <laughs> Everyone else got slaughtered. I'm supposed to believe that Rumpel was going to turn the tide of this war? He was a very powerful fighter in his day, apparently. Um, but I think that gives us more of the picture of uh, how Rumpel became a coward. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that we'll get to learn more about that in the future. The Also, the, uh, the kiss my boot moment. I mean, obviously we see it twice. Rumple immediately turns it back when he becomes the Dark One, but that will be very significant for Rumple later. It's something that he thinks about, like, throughout his life. So let me ask, because we've had this debate many a times, do you think Rumple was justified in what he did to the Duke? No. I also, it actually doesn't feel very Rumple-like. I mean, he just killed him immediately. Like, I feel like Rumple would torture that person for a long time. Yes, I, I think I think Rumpel would have made him suffer for a much longer period of time. But this is also kind of the beginning of Rumpel. He's not really a deal maker at this point. That's He's true. just a desperate man with power. I mean, in any case, I think this is wrong. But if we're if we're like removing that from the situation, what I would have done <laughs> is. Uh, and, you know, this duke is collecting children to fight the ogre wars, and presumably this duke isn't fighting in those wars himself. I would send him out there to fight the ogres. Interesting. Yeah. So you would sentence him to death via the ogres. Yeah, I mean, if he thinks that, you know, 14-year-old boys and girls have a chance against these ogres, uh, let him show his, his medal. All right, all right. So... What, do you think it's wrong? Gosh, no. But you and I differ on the concept of revenge. Like, I definitely think the Duke got what he deserved, and some. Maybe a lot. But, speaking of, I guess, getting what you deserve, this is the only time that I can think of where Rumpel is shown being 15 steps behind. He he gets tricked. I mean, he legitimately, um, he's a desperate soul. He hears the old man talk about there's a way to potentially save his son, which I understand. You know, he cripples himself theoretically, to probably save his son in his mind. So now he's like, I got to stop my boy from being taken away in two days. And the old man, I mean, plays him for a fool. In a very way that Mr. Gold we've seen play other people, Rumpel gets completely suckered into basically doing exactly what the old man wants all the way up until the end. I, I think it's pretty clear when Rumpel becomes the Dark One. Like, he acts very different. Like, not just that he has supernatural powers and he can snap someone's neck by barely touching their head. Um, he 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 speaks differently. He he feels more confident. And as we will learn, power is very important to Rumpelstiltskin. And it makes him who he is. Uh, so I don't... I, I mean, I, I agree. That's true. He totally gets played in this episode. But I don't, I don't think that he's the Rumpelstiltskin that we know. He's a different person. Hmm. I So I disagree with that only because I believe he is how everyone who's ever been bullied would act if you gave them the ability to flip the script. Mm, okay. So if someone was beating you down and then all of a sudden now, it's like if you hit puberty and this person doesn't and now you're twice their size, you might behave in a way that would be like, I don't recognize who you are because you're now being able to take out kind of your frustrations and disgust on this bully and it may lead you to do things that kind of betray who your actual character is and i mean this is an early taste of the power it's not like he's had this for years and years at this point um but 
he's definitely not the Rumpel we've seen who's weak and cowardly and kissing a boot. Now he is, kiss my boot, I'm going to snap your neck, and then, like, kill four other guards? Yeah, yeah, he quickly killed a bunch of people with that dagger. Does he use any magic? I mean, I have to, I don't know about, I don't know that I would call this magic. He's a small man. There's no way that a man of his size could have snapped a neck in that way. But that that might just be, like, part of his body. Like, the magic has been in his body. So, I, you're right. I don't think we've seen him, like, actually use magic. So, right now, we just know that he's very, very durable. Also, the myth in which he kills the Duke, ruthless. Ruthless. And we've watched him explode a fairy godmother. Obliterate a fairy godmother. <laughs> Was this kill more ruthless or less ruthless? Um, I mean, we didn't really know anything about his relationship to the fairy godmother. So, like, that feels more ruthless to me. We know he hates fairies. We do know that. But we have no idea, like, what about this particular fairy? Like, what his deal was? Did he just want that wand? Like, that's pretty ruthless to be like, I want that thing that she has and I'm going to blow her up. Okay. This, I, I mean, again, I think it's wrong, but... I don't, I, I understand why he murdered the Duke. And it's also not just, I mean, he says that he wants to try to use his power for good. Like, the Duke takes away people's children and makes them fight in a war. Like, he's not a good dude. No, I have no sympathy for the Duke. I think the manner in which Ruffle killed him felt more vengeful than avenging, shall yeah, we say. I agree. Okay, let's talk about gold. Yeah. Gold is kind of got his fingers in all over this episode. I love gold in this episode. Like it's, you get to see him because it, it's 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 fun to see Rumpelstiltskin, the Dark One, plan tricks. But like you'll later learn that he has some abilities that like make that easier for him to do. <laughs> but like Mister Gold is just a man in a land without magic. Just a man. <laughs> He's more than a man, I guess. But he he lives in a land without magic, and he like. This was a very complicated plot. Like, he planned something out that he, that did not depend on Emma agreeing to it because he knew that she wouldn't. And he, like, fought ahead to start a fire, knowing that Emma would save Regina because it was the right thing to do. And knowing that that wouldn't be enough to win her the election, but that she would call him out for this plot that he revealed to her. Like, he, that's pretty amazing. I think my favorite part of that is that he's making the fire material when Emma walks in. Yeah. So he's very clearly been planning this before she comes to the sheriff's station, and he knows everything that's about to happen. He's 15 steps ahead. I mean, he's 15 steps ahead of Regina. He's 15 steps ahead of Emma. It's fantastic work. I do think you see him peel back a layer when he talks about children, which was a very good moment. He absolutely shows, as I mentioned earlier, the hurt and like, hey, you know, Cherish the time you have with your children because they grow up so fast and use them so quickly. He doesn't say anything more than that. But you see like a very real moment from Gold that we haven't gotten yet at, up to this point. I also think it was interesting. I'm not saying that he was insincere about his condolences for Graham. I don't think that Mr. Gold like actually cares about Graham. But in general, Rumpelstiltskin is not just like an indiscriminate killer. He, 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 he respects life as long as it's not in his way. Um, and I think... But I thought it was very interesting that he used two tactics during that conversation with Emma because his first shot at making her feel bad about Graham dying didn't work. Yep. <laughs> so he was ready with two things. As I said in a previous podcast, he is not a man who has one plan. 
He yeah. has multiple methods to get to the way, and if the first one doesn't work, he will go to the second plan. And yeah, his first attempt, basically, she's like, I don't care. Yeah. And then he goes to the second one, and she stops and thinks about it, and it's like, okay, gotcha. Talk about Emma. This was an interesting Emma episode, in the sense that this is the first time in which her motives seem to be not what they exactly appeared. So, like, normally Emma was, oh, I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. This more or less seemed, I'm going to do this because I'm kind of being petty, and I want to beat Regina. Which mm. she finally admits towards the end, like, this wasn't just about, it was about Henry and showing that a hero can win, but a lot of this was she wanted to stick it to Regina. She was tired of losing to Regina. She didn't think it was fair. And she wasn't wrong. It was ridiculous what Regina was trying to do. But there's a healthy level of pettiness and competitiveness here on Emma that we, we've seen it with the tree. That's probably the only time we've seen that where she's just like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to cut your little apple tree down. I've had enough <laughs> of your nonsense. This is the first time that we see her do something where it's just, I'm going to win just to spite you. Yeah. Although I do think in that conversation that she has with Mary Margaret, at the de- before the debate happens she also realizes that she she's saying she wants to do this for henry but one of the reasons that she wants to do it is to make sure that she has a place in henry's life and a place for herself like emma has never had i don't want to say that she's never had a purpose in life she but i don't roots. i don't yeah i don't think that she's ever thought about the need for having a purpose in life before um and i think she she wants to beat Regina. She wants to show Henry that you can win by doing the right thing. And I think she wants to, she wants to be the sheriff for her, which is kind of, that's kind of a nice, nice storyline. I agree with that. One other thing I want to say, do you think that Henry not believing that this is a good idea to continue has maybe strengthened, strengthened Emma's resolve to stick around and cause you know, Henry was all, you know, for it and believe it. Let's do Operation Cobra. Graham dies and he's like, nope, this is too far. I don't want to do it. Like, he's actually the only rational one kind of here at the moment who's like, oh, no, people are dying. This is too far. He's, he's got the wisdom of Solomon for a 10-year-old. It's bizarre. And she's like, oh, no, we can't, like, we can't let the evil queen win. He, she doesn't say the evil queen, but basically implies that, like, good has to show that they can beat evil. It seems like Emma is the one who's starting to believe that more and more something is wrong, which, in fairness, she did watch Graham just straight up die in front of her and what did they say it was of natural, natural causes. causes this is a man who is in peak physical He's condition like 30 years old at most in <laughs> great shape just randomly collapses after he says i remember everything so it was like he had this bizarre flashback he had obviously all that panic attack and the anxiety and the stress and everything that was going then all of a sudden he was awakened and then he just died yeah no one seemed to question that yeah i mean she and weirdly, when when Henry questions questions it, she's like, "No, no, no, it was natural causes," and you know maybe they found like an aneurysm or something, which can happen to anyone. But they don't say that they did, and like that is, I guess it's a natural cause in that it wasn't murder, <laughs> but, but but it's not like he died of old age, which is what I attribute the phrase natural causes to. Or if he had like a pre-existing condition, something that would make you think that like he was more prone to this. He just, no granted, he had been showing a bunch of weird behaviors at the end. So maybe that was basically the lead up to this in her mind. But yeah, she kind of just dismisses it and is like, okay, that sounds right. Even though again, nothing about that sounded right. Nothing about that it sounded right. It doesn't sound right. But to your question, yeah, I think especially after what happened with Archie, um, in the recent episode where he stood up to Regina because he felt that it was right to continue, I don't want to say reinforcing Henry's delusion because we all know that that's not what's happening, but like to not break apart his delusion. So I think Emma felt it was important in that way. But also, to be fair, she doesn't, 
she might be seeing some more chinks in the armor, but she still doesn't believe that <laughs> that they made Graham die because they're poking holes in Regina's curse. No, but I do think she thinks something weird is going on. The whole Graham thing was very strange. The wolf showing up out of nowhere is unexplained. Yeah. The fact that Graham has just died out of nowhere, sure, natural causes, I guess, is an explanation, but that's not a very good one. Like, there, there are more and more holes in this story. Also, one of my favorite lines from Emma when she talks to Regina, he picked me, long pause, to be deputy. <laughs> and you kind of see the look on Regina's face is like, Emma didn't say it, but you know exactly what she was alluding towards, and you can tell Regina is not particularly happy about. He did pick her. I mean... We said this in the previous episode about how Regina was like, I can't believe this is your fault, Mrs. Swan. This has nothing to do with her. This is all because you showed up. This has nothing to do with you. This is your fault. That's uh, Regina's way. It's always someone else's fault. You want to talk about Regina real quick? Yeah, I first want to talk about the magic of Regina somehow getting into Emma's juvenile record. How did they even do that? Sydney did that? Sydney's a reporter. Like, what did he do? How did they... They don't know anyone outside of this town that happened in a completely different state. Where did they get that information? I'm assuming the same place that Henry got the information. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of findyourmama.com, it's findyourmamahadababyinjail.com. I see. But that did lead to an amazing Regina line. Yeah. About, about the cutting the cord with the shiv. Top five line. That was brutal. <laughs> That was a brutal... And Emma just takes it on the chin. Like, there's really nothing you can say about that because the weirdest part about this whole thing, Emma's really bothered by it. Regina seems disgusted by it. And Henry's, like, cool with it. He seems to be just unfazed by the most random... He hears the, like, weirdest things that would just mess you up as a child. And he just kind of takes it in stride. He listens to... In a few episodes back, you hear Emma talking with Ella about all the things that she had to go through and give it to a child. And Henry's in the back. He's like, yeah, no, that, that was me. I'm that kid. And... Then, you know, this whole, like, so I was born in jail. Yeah. Well, I guess this didn't scar me. Well, I mean, that actually might be kind of affirming to know, because he knows that she gave him up to give him his best chance. And boy, was he not going to be set up for success if she was in prison for the first part of his life. So I I think that's a little bit, like, it, it might help him see, like, that's why she gave me up. Like, she really had no choice. Yeah. Okay. Um... And I also think if when you consider Henry's reality or what he believes to be real, which is actually real. Um, the truth. He thinks that his adopted mother is a mass murderer that has killed hundreds, if not thousands of people as the evil queen. Like hear, hearing that your mom was in jail when she gave birth to you, like, meh. Okay, it's all relative. That's a fair point. <laughs> what is Regina's power level in this town? Yeah, it's, I still don't get it. Like, I mean, I guess, to be fair, she has built this town and no one knows what anything is like outside of Storybrooke, so she can design mayoral power however she would like. So that brings up an interesting point. She designed this town. She would have made it exactly the way she wanted it, and yet she didn't think that the town charter was something that she should have, I don't know, made sure wasn't a loophole that could just defeat her. Well, I mean... That had to be gold. She doesn't think that many steps ahead. And also, she lived in the Enchanted Forest and has no idea how towns of this nature might operate. So let's not dig too deep into how they figured out what they wanted this curse to, like, even be. (laughs) This this sounds like something gold put into the curse. Yes, because as he says at one point... He likes small weapons, the fine point of a needle, words, a pen, the fine point of a deal. Like, 
he the town charter is definitely a gold situation. It seems very on brand for Rumpel to have thought about. I'm gonna find a way to have loopholes so that Regina isn't super powerful because I need something when we get there. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking 15 steps ahead while Regina's thinking one step ahead. And also a very reasonable like that is that is actually a very reasonable thing that would be built into a town charter. Absolutely, it makes um, sense. It's actually kind of ridiculous earlier in the episode when Regina says that she's going to appoint Sydney Glass and then she fires Emma. Which Sydney, as the appointed sheriff, would have the power to do, but Regina, as the mayor, does not have the ability to fire the deputy mayor. Deputy sheriff? Sorry, deputy sheriff. No, not in the slightest. And also, shouldn't she, of all people, know the town charter? Yeah, you'd think so, but she's never had to read it before because nobody ever questioned her because they're all afraid of her. Well, what has she been doing at these city council meetings all this time? Having sex with Graham. Well, guess we won't be doing that anymore. Another thing about Regina... She kind of went back to her pilot self when it comes to talking about Henry. When they're having that walk and talk, very West Wing type conversation with Emma and um, Regina in the town hall, she does not really seem to care about what this could potentially do to Henry. She's just like, whatever, he'll be fine. And she just doesn't show any compassion, no care, no concern. It's, it's almost like, once again, Henry is a pawn for Regina to just move around to get what she wants, not, hey, this is my son, I want to protect him at all costs. I think she's grasping at straws here. Um, but she doesn't seem to think that that's the case. Like, she clearly thinks that she has won when Emma gives her little speech about Mr. Gold and walks off the stage. Like, she has this, like, smile on her face where she's, like, sure that she's won. The same smirk that she normally gives right before she's about to suffer defeat? Yeah. Yeah, it's that smirk. That brings me to my last point with her. When is she ever going to learn? How many times, so far in eight episodes, have we seen Regina think that she's won and not to stop to think, hey, that was a little too easy. This was the most obvious thing in the world and you really thought that you were just, oh, it's over, I win, I get exactly what I want. Obviously she's had years of giving anything that she want, but the situation has changed recently. Maybe stop and think just like for a quick second, this seems too easy. Also like Sydney is her main ally at this point and Ally is not the right word. Subordinate. Subordinate, is sure. The word. He's not like tricky. He's certainly not better at subterfuge than Mr. Gold. <laughs> and she's just like very confident. I guess it's because she's telling him what to do and she thinks that she's smarter than Mr. Gold, which is kind of a ridiculous assumption for her to make, but I don't even know that she thinks she's smarter than Gold. Because she seemingly has gone to him when she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I think she's arrogant enough to think that if they go head-to-head, she can win. I don't know that she thinks that she can beat him in this game. Yeah. Because she's not, like, as we both said, she's not a 15 steps ahead. She reacts very emotionally, usually with rage, and she thinks one step ahead right in front of where she's at and usually costs her down the road. Perfect example was this. is like, this was stupid. Like, she didn't have to make... Appoint anyone besides Sydney. You could have picked 15 people who could have maybe won this instead. It was a close vote. So you put the worst candidate out there and still almost beat her. It's true. Granny would have been probably win that race. In fact, I I feel like this is... Okay, Mr. Gold's plan, very good. I'm not trying to question his plan. I do think it is quite remarkable that Emma wins this election by saying, I know Mr. Gold did this, but I don't have any proof. Which is literally what the job of the sheriff is. <laughs> well, 
I will say this. I think it was the fact that for the first time, someone was willing to accuse gold without hard evidence and say, I know that there could be consequences for this, like making an enemy out of the most powerful man in town, but it's the right thing to do. They, I, I think it's the fact that she didn't have proof is what pushed her over the top. Yeah, like they just, she pulled the wool over their eyes so good that they didn't even see that she was bad at sheriffing. Well, someone pulled some wool over people's eyes, but it wasn't Emma. It was that uh, lanolin-soaked wool that can light fires. Yeah. I want to say something real quick about Sydney. This man is the weakest man in the history of men. He has no spine. None. Zero. I don't get it. I'm really excited that we were going to get to learn a bit more about Sydney in, the, in a future episode. Because, uh, yeah, I need to know like what his relationship to Regina is and was in the past. And what's going on with this guy? Yeah, it's just so, like, jarring. He just is, like, he's, like, afraid of her. And he, like, kind of sweet shit. I mean, the actor does a great job. Oh, yeah. All. He does a fantastic job. But it is ridiculous to see how he just cowers around Regina all the time. And anytime she scolds him, he's just like, oh, I'm so sorry, Madam Mayor. And, you know, goes scurrying off like a rat. He's also, like, very, he's kind of, like, bumbling in general. Like, even when it doesn't relate to Regina. Like, when she says that he's going to run for the election for the election of sheriff and he's like i, I am? am i am <laughs> because like, it wasn't yeah his, it wasn't his thought it was regina he probably found out he was running when she said sydney was running yeah i mean but he he knew that she was appointing him to sheriff so why wouldn't he assume i don't know it's just very <sighs> i don't think he has independent thoughts he actually really reminds me, you surely will not connect with this, but some of our listeners may. He really reminds me of Mr. Collins in Pride and Prejudice, who is just so deferential to Lady Catherine. Like, whenever he, whenever she speaks, he just, like, immediately stops speaking. This is a very situation Roger is making quite the face. I me. literally have no context for what you're referencing. Yeah. What I went to was more or less like Mrs. Tessmacher, which is Lex Luthor's assistant. We're just completely deferential. I don't know if she's in love with him or not. That's never been made clear to me. But again, subordinate, you know, just willing to do whatever you want to help the evil villain. Want to touch on this real quick? Because we don't see a ton of them, but we do get some good David Mary Margaret interaction. Mm-hmm. David's nickname in the Enchanted Forest is charming, given to him by Snow. This may be the least charming that he has ever been. Especially, like, the way that they look at each other continues. Like, they get these huge smiles on their faces when they walk. Like a glow. Yeah. Like, huge smiles. And then he just immediately talks about his wife. Just, come on, man. And they're both wearing stupid hats, which I also don't like. I like his kangle. It's not a David thing, but her hat is really dumb. It's a very Snow White hat, to be fair. Yeah, I guess. It is a stupid hat. David's hat... Seems like something Shepherd Boy would have worn, though. Okay. With his long, ridiculous hair. Yeah, okay. I could have seen him wearing that. I do love, though, the frustration that Mary Margaret portrays about how she just goes from naturally kind of stapling that poster to, you know, pa 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 I'm out of posters, I'm out of here, and just leaves. They, they just are good on screen together. They have a chemistry that so is just good. unmatched. Even when they don't like each other, they're the best at not, because it's not contempt. It's not hatred. It's just like... It's frustration, and David looks, I don't know how to explain it, disappointed or, like, remorseful. It, it It's a lot of, he's got a lot of conflicting emotions. I think he feels bad about sort of leading her on and choosing Catherine. And I also think he wanted to talk to her for longer, so he was disappointed that she walked away. Maybe don't bring up your wife. Right, exactly. Don't bring up your wife. 
Or, or here's a thought. Maybe don't try to talk to the woman that you had feelings for if you're trying to go back to your exactly. wife. Exactly. Yep. That, that also. E- either option seems like the better play there. I also, I actually really like the chemistry between Mary Margaret and um, Emma as well. Uh, like, I mean, obviously it's a very different chemistry with a different purpose. Um, but this is like another instance where we like see Emma going to Mary Margaret for advice and it, it helps her. <laughs> like it actually helps. They talk for like 10 seconds and Emma is like, oh yes, this is why I'm doing this. I now understand my entire purpose for being here. There's definitely a motherly intuition that Mary Margaret seems to have about Emma. Now, obviously, they don't know anything yet. They, they remind me very much of, like, close sisters. Have you ever been around, like, two sisters who grew up together and are very close to each other? Where They can kind of finish each other's thoughts, mm-hmm. and they kind of know, like, I know what you're saying, but I know what you're doing is very different than that. Why don't you actually be honest with yourself? And I like their relationship a lot because it's... There's just something endearing about it, like in a way that not like charming in her, but it's very much like, like I said, sisters, like they're just, there's a closeness there, even though they haven't known each other longer than a couple months, you can tell there's like a good and genuine bond between the two of them. I actually really like the scene where Gold shows up and Mary Murder's like, I'm going to leave you two to talk and just dips out. (laughs) I don't want to be a part of this at all. Yeah. They, of the child parent dynamic, they might actually be my favorite. That I'm thinking. Um, I think Rumpel and Bay in this one are really good too. Yeah. Um, you can really see how much Belfire cares about his father, how much Rumpel cares. We haven't seen him care about anyone like this. Like everybody else is basically a pawn to be moved around the chessboard. And yet Rumpel in this episode is basically willing to sacrifice his life to make sure that his son isn't taken away for a senseless war that's going to kill him. That's the only two I can think of where I really say, like, there's a genuine... David and Emma are fine, but it doesn't seem like the... I like David and Emma's The bond doesn't seem the same way. Who else? Uh, David and Emma. Yeah, yeah. they're fine, but Mary Margaret and Emma always felt the closer of the two. I think think part of the reason why Mary Margaret and Emma feel so much more interesting is because I think Mary Margaret brings out a part of Emma that we don't get to see a lot. I think Emma is actually a lot like David. I agree. Uh, So so it's great when they interact because they, like, really understand each other, but it's... It's not the same as when Mary Margaret makes Emma face her deepest, darkest fears and emotions. I like the David-Emma relationship the best when they both do things to piss off Mary Margaret. Because <laughs> they piss her off in a similar manner. Like, they go headfirst into situations without fully thinking it through. And she's always told them, this is a bad idea. And they're like, no, it'll be fine. Then they come back with their tail between their legs. And she's like, what did I tell you? And they're like, okay, I guess we should listen to you in the first place. That's true. Why would we just limit, listen to Emma the whole time? Could have been, why would we just listen to Mary Margaret the whole time? It's true. That's true. I only have one more person I really need to talk about. Please. The previous dark one. Yeah, Zozo. 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 Well done, man. This was a top-tier level of manipulation. He plays Rumple like a fiddle from the beginning, whether it's the poor man getting the um, change from him to, oh, let me just get some food and let me tell you this story about how you can save your son. It is a masterclass. And almost like the thing that taught Rumple, I can manipulate people like this. Because he's not, he's not shown to be manipulative at mm-hmm. this point. Does he get that from being the dark one? Does he just pick up on this of how easily people are manipulated? I've always wondered that. We do later learn that when you become the dark one, you have all of the memories of all dark ones. So he he clearly is absorbing some of this deception. Although, interestingly, something that we rarely see from Rumpel, it actually is like one of the driving forces in his life, is also wants to die. Like he, he doesn't want to be the dark one so bad that he wants to die. 
And Rumble is obsessed with not dying. That's like, it's like a lifelong obsession for this man. Until the Until, end. sure. But, like, there are certainly exceptions, but, like, lifelong obsession. So, I think the one thing I like about this episode the most is that it actually explains why he is that way. And he's not entirely wrong in the belief that without power, people will abuse you. And he never wanted to be in a situation where he was forced to bend down and kiss another man's boot. And quite frankly, as the Dark One, unless you get his dagger, he never has to bow to anyone. He is allowed to do what he wants to do, protect... Because most of what he does is his own kind of manipulations that he doesn't talk about too much or protecting the people he cares about. I understand why he is obsessed with power, seeing what other people with power will do to you. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I I also think it's important, like... Zozo wanted to get rid of this because it was a burden. A curse? Yes, it's a curse. And I, I, I that is a theme that will reappear, but it, it'll be a while. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, but I, I think it's important to remember, because not only did he trick Rumpel into doing this, but Rumpel isn't even thinking about the fact that it's a burden currently. Like, not at all. It just didn't occur to him. Well... He's focused on saving his yeah, son. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why the, a desperate soul, right? That's why the deception works mm-hmm. so well. The other thing that I think Zozo says, which you brought up, was what if he's not even your son? Yeah. That thought really never even occurred to me. It also didn't occur to me, and we do learn more about Rumpel's relationship with his wife, too, that she hated him and left. Hated him after the fact. Yes. Um, but given her behaviors, which we'll learn about later... It isn't impossible to believe that Balefire is not her son and I, or not Rumpel's son. And I, this like won't come up again, which maybe because, you know, Rumpel realizes it was just a thing that he was saying, or maybe because he just doesn't care. Like he raised Balefire, that is his son and he loves him. And I think that's kind of sweet. Yeah. I think if he took a DNA test and said, genetically, he's not your son, he would rip and goes, I don't give a shit. Yeah. That's my son. That's my boy. Period. End of discussion. I don't care if it's she cheated with someone else this is my kid i raised him which again you can tell he loves the people he cares about yeah like rumple has many flaws that is not one of them yeah absolutely uh, my last little thing this episode was full of good jokes regina's shiv joke was great i actually liked archie's really bad joke <laughs> during during the uh the debate. the debate when he makes a joke about a glass swan and then he says wow crickets which is so fitting and we think it's funny but nobody else thinks it's funny <laughs> When she when he says glass swan, I actually kind of heard glass slipper because I still mm. think Emma is Cinderella in my brain. Like that to me just seemed logical. But yeah, I, they make a lot of uh, I want to be a reflection of the you know. There's a lot of things alluding to their characters in a different world, which I thought were punny. Okay, what was your favorite moment in this episode, Roger? <laughs> Rumble becomes the dark one. That that was just awesome. Like just seeing when he specifically when he grabs the Duke's head and you know snap crackle pop. You really see that Rumple is a dangerous man to be feared. Mine is the same, but more specific. It's seeing Rumple's name on oh. the dagger. Like, oh. that is just, the dagger looks so cool. Like, when he grabs it, it almost looks like a religious relic. Like, it's like kind of like a cross. It's like lit from behind. Mm. And he grabs it, and it's got that like wavy edge and that cool design. And it says Zozo. And then he like looks at it later, and it says Rumple Stiltskin. My runner up was the moment where he shows up kind of at home and you see the dagger in his name but it's soaked in blood mm-hmm. kind of like a foretelling of this is how his reign as dark one is going to be i thought that was a really cool moment so i think we both thought that dark one 
was the moment of the episode. Definitely the moment of the episode. Most ridiculous moment of the episode. I mean, honestly, I could say him snapping his neck with one hand was the yep. most ridiculous. Truthfully, I kind of felt like the most ridiculous moment, even though it's um, a pretty consistent theme, was Regina not learning from her mistakes. You really <laughs> thought it was that easy. You really thought it was that easy. And she seemed so shocked that once again her scheme didn't work. Just, come on, lady. you got to learn at some point. You're too smart for this. You're just too smart for she, this. She does, eventually. Not this year. Not this year. Um, mine is that Emma won the election by being a terrible detective. <laughs> she's not a detective. She's a sheriff. Yeah, this town doesn't have a detective, so she has to be all of those things. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. That's... Who's your loser of this episode? <sighs> Regina. Yeah, same. I, You know, when we started doing this, I wasn't expecting to just have Regina be the loser every week. But Regina is absolutely the loser of this episode. She's the loser because she gets caught in the fire, which didn't see coming. She then stupidly thinks that she's going to just win by putting up Sydney. Of That could have been the worst choice anyone has ever made in an election. Well, he's qualified to be the sheriff because he's been writing for the paper for as long as anyone can remember. Like, I want to actually have like a post-election survey and be like, you voted for the most spineless person in town to be your sheriff? Is this the man you want to call the police when a wolf shows up at your door? So he could, what, run away and go ask the mayor what to do? Terrible. Just Regina L's all around. Terrible. Terrible. Winner of the episode. My runner-up is Mr. Gold slash Rumple. Your runner-up is My... Mr. Gold slash Rumple. I am shocked. Yeah. He, Mr. Gold does a fantastic job of manipulation throughout the episode. He shows that he steps ahead even when the moment Emma walks in. Rumple becomes the dark one. It's great. But Zozo freed himself of the curse. Mm. He tricks Rumple, maybe better than anyone will ever trick Rumple, and alleviates himself of a curse that he most certainly did not want, and that burden is transferred to Rumple. He wins this episode, in my opinion. Interesting pick. A, a non-main character. Love it. Uh, mine is a tie between Mr. Gold and Emma, uh, because I think, obviously, Mr. Gold engineered this, so I don't think that we can, like, ignore that fact, but Emma does make the right choice twice. She yeah. saves Regina, which I do think most people would do, if she, they have the, the ability. She, she paused. She did pause. She did pause. Uh, but it's it's also, like, quite heroic just to, like, save someone from a fire. Like, she's a... She has those arms. She was able to carry Regina. Uh, but she also, like, making that... I don't think she was really thinking of it as, like, standing up to big, bad, scary Mr. Gold. Like, I don't think Emma is, like, actually scared of Mr. Gold. Which, Henry's like, you should be scared of this dude. Maybe you should be. <laughs> but, but she... Like, she was willing to lose. Like, because she wanted to do the right thing. And I, I think that's kind of a big deal. But Zozo is a good choice. I think it's a good choice. One thing we forgot to talk about that I did want to mention. The gratitude that Regina shows Emma for saving her life is basically, <laughs> get get the hell away from me and ow, my ankle set me down gently. I, I Really? Love, I love when Emma says, oh, so now you're angry about how I'm saving your life? There are mistakes that... Regina will make pretty much throughout season one. And while this is not close to the worst of them, it's kind of just like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I mean, she's a she's a broken human. Yeah. She's a very broken human. What are you looking forward to next week? What's our next episode? Our next episode is True North. 
which is going to deal with uh, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, interesting. I think I like the Hansel and Gretel story from what I remember. I'm interested in getting some more Mary Margaret and David. I'm really interested in seeing what is kind of going on with them. We got a little bit of interaction with them. More Mary Margaret than David. I think we only see David in that one scene. And I think he's standing in the background of the cafe. But, like, the real interaction between the two of them. I still want to know what Gold was doing in the woods. It might be a thing I'm waiting on for a while. But I just, I'm curious. And then the Henry... At the end, I believe, he seems to get his faith back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. With the walkie-talkies, he seems like he's back to, okay, Operation Cobra is in. Which is interesting, because his point wasn't wrong. Like, it's not like his point ever went away, that, yeah, she's the evil queen. She has maybe murdered hundreds, if not thousands of people. Challenging her could mean death, and I don't want my biological mom to die. And yet he's like, okay, well, you stood up to her, so... We're good. <laughs> oh, and by the fine. way, and by the way, you may have made an enemy of the only other person who is more terrifying in this town than Regina and Mr. Gold, who you now owe a favor to. Well, that's interesting too, because Regina makes it sound like you now have an enemy in Mr. Gold. But as Emma later learns when she talks to him, that was exactly what he wanted. They are not enemies. Because Regina can't think that many steps ahead. Yeah. In her mind, you crossed me, so obviously I hate you, as opposed to Gold's like, I knew you were going to do that. That's what I wanted you to do. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to... I'm looking forward to some new characters. Uh, I'm looking forward to Emma being the sheriff. Like, she won the election. Now she's the sheriff. What's she going to do with this power? And what is Regina going to do to be the loser of the next episode? (laughs) She won one of our episodes, I believe. Yeah, she did. Um, when she cast the curse. When she cast the curse. No, 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 not that episode. The episode where she, Mary, Margaret, and David pushed each other apart because David got his memories back. And then where she indirectly caused Emma and Graham to fight right before Graham died. We both agreed on Regina as the winner of that episode. Uh, I said that Regina was the winner of the episode where she cast the curse. Yes, you did. But you said that Rumpel was, which yeah. is also a valid. That's yeah. valid. Thank you for validating my yep. feelings. I appreciate Absolutely. You. Happy to validate your feelings. Gotcha. Okay, so in our accounts, uh, no crying, no magic beans, uh, but Roger, this is a top five Roger episode here, so we've, we've got that. Uh, don't worry, we will update you on the counts of these as we go. Uh, and please be sure to join us next week when we watch season one, episode nine, True North. See you next week. <laughs>